Welcome to the Pull Up In Here podcast hosted by Jacob Graybill Third. To start off the episode, even though football is over and that's what I talked about for almost every episode I have uh, uploaded so far, I'm, sh- I'm going to touch up on some sports news before we enter the main segment of my podcast. So, like, to start off with the NFL, uh, Des Bryant plans to play for two more years, but it won't be in Baltimore after his six-game stint. He says that he will not be returning and he wants to go somewhere else. I think that's an interesting move. He did really good for the Ravens while he was there. And uh, I think that Baltimore was one of the best teams for him. And I don't know if he'll be able to find a team that wants him at – for the money he's asking for, if he's asking for a lot of money, it'll depend on the, it'll depend on the free season, uh, free agency, and who uh, really wants him to play for them. Next, uh, Alex Smith says that his return put the football team's QB situation uh, in on hold, and now they're kind of like screwed. I don't, I kind of agree with this. Because, like, nobody thought Alex Smith was going to return. So they're playing on him retiring. And when he came back and played, now they can't really do anything with the quarterback position because you kind of got to keep him. Because if you cut him or traded him for, like, two picks, like, two six-round picks, people would not like that because, you know, he was comeback man of the year. They people argue that they should change the award name to the Alex Smith Award, um, and I can't argue with that. He his comeback was legendary. Like nobody else, I would bet ninety nine percent of the population could not do that. It was very impressive. Uh, the next big article is uh, franchise quarterbacks like Matt Matt Stafford. And uh, breakups with teams are hard to do. A lot of people think that he won't be able to put up the same numbers with the Rams. I disagree with that. I think he'll do just fine anywhere he goes. He is a very good quarterback. And he has, even though he's older in age, I think he has a lot of potential when he's put with a team that is good like the Rams and is with an offensive-minded coach like Sean McVay who is one of the arguably one of the best coaches in the NFL right now. Another interesting uh, article is the NFL franchise tag candidates and the 2021 predictions. Dak and Aaron Jones top the list of the 22 players that uh, need to get franchise tagged and they, that they think will. I'm a Cowboys fan, and I really hope we do uh, franchise tag Dak because I do think he is still a very good quarterback. He led the league in passing yards two weeks after he got injured. And he, like, clearly, based off Alex Smith, you can recover from bad injuries. And his injury was nothing even close to Alex Smith's. So a lot of people recover from torn ACLs and uh, bad knee injuries. And I think he'll do just fine in the league next year. If he ends up sucking, then yeah, maybe after that we should release him. Or we should sign him for cheaper than, you know, uh, $50 million a year. And Aaron Jones, he is a great running back. He is 
he's not like top three, but he is definitely a top tier running back, and he puts up good numbers. He's a great receiving back. He's like a not as good version of Alvin Kamara, in my opinion. Now we're going to look at the NBA, and I'm not the biggest NBA fan. I don't really watch the games unless they're just on, but I do like watching the finals and some of the playoff games. And I don't really, the main reason I don't watch games a lot is because I don't have a favorite team per se. I do have favorite players, and you can argue that I am a Warriors fan because my two favorite players in the league right now are Draymond Green and Steph Curry in that order. Yes, I am a Draymond Green fan. I hear about it all the time. I love the way he plays, so uh, don't hate me for that. But looking at it, the Western Conference, again, is by far the better conference. And there's so many teams that are better than the Eastern Conference. Like, there are one, the Utah Jazz, L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers, and Phoenix Suns all have less losses than the number one team in the Eastern Conference. So the four teams in the West are have a better win percentage than the number one team in the East. So looking at that, uh, the Utah Jazz is 25-6. and six. They are tearing it up right now. Looking at the stats, they're like most – outscoring I mean their outstanding player is Donovan Mitchell right now and he is uh, putting up 25 points a game and four rebounds five assists and Rudy Gobert just a defensive maniac is he's aver- he's still averaging 14 points but he's also getting 14 rebounds almost and uh, almost three blocks a game which is absurd and they're just beating teams right now. And they're doing an amazing job. And a lot of people probably didn't expect them to be as good as they are. I know a lot of people knew that they would, like, do good this season. Because, you know, they've done good since, probably since Donovan Mitchell was drafted. And they are, you know... They lost to the Clippers, but at the same time, two days before, they beat them by almost 20 points. So, But they're beating teams by, like, 20, 10-plus. Like, they're waxing these teams. And a lot of these teams are good teams. Like, they beat the Philadelphia 76ers uh, last week by 11 points. Like, that's, you know... That's a good sign that your team's going to do really well. Do I think they're going to win the championship? No. I think the Lakers are still the best team, and I think they are going to be the best team probably until, I would say, until LeBron retires or leaves. That's usually how it goes. Uh, what Wherever he's at is either the one or two best team in the league. Going down, the Clippers and the Lakers are tied, but right now the Clippers have the tiebreaker over them. So they're the two seed and the Lakers are the three seed. The Clippers on paper should be the best team. Them and the Lakers should be better than the Jazz, but I feel like a lot of the problems 
lie within Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's chemistry, I feel like they've lost a lot of games that they should have won that came down to basically like team chemistry. And they lose a lot of close games. When it comes down to the nitty-gritty, they're not very clutch, per se. And I feel like they'll come back to bite them in the playoffs. And like most teams, I think most teams in the playoffs, they just can't win the big games. The Lakers, they're my favorites again. I think they're the best team in the league. And the Suns, the dark horse, a lot of people didn't think the Chris Paul experiment was going to work as well as it did. And Chris Paul was exactly what Devin Booker needed. And it could not have worked out better. They are the fourth team in the league. Uh, I mean, in the West. And they are just playing lights out right now. Devin Booker is having an amazing season. DeAndre Ayton's having a good season. Chris Paul's having a really good season for him. He's averaging 16.6 points, uh, 4.5 rebounds, 8.5 assists, and one still a game. That's very good, especially for his age. He's getting up there. And so I think the Suns will make a run, but I don't see them beating the Lakers. And that's what I kind of hold my, like, could they go far in the playoffs? And my thought is, when do they meet the Lakers? And that's when I'll probably call them out. And the other four teams, Trailblazers, Spurs, Nuggets, and Warriors, uh, there's nothing like too crazy about them. Trailblazers and the Nuggets, you know, I feel like both of those were pretty given that they'd make the playoffs. Trailblazers, I feel like, will come into – the same thing, they'll just make it and then they'll lose in the first round or maybe they might go to the second round. It depends, again, when they play this year, probably the Jazz or Lakers. I don't think the Clippers are going to stay on top for all the whole season and playoffs. Moving on to the East, you got the 76ers who are really good. Joel Embiid right now, I'm pretty sure, is the fan favorite to win uh, the MVP, and it's very well-deserved. He's averaging, like, these stats are crazy. He's averaging 30 points a game, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, and 1 block a game. He leads the team in points, rebounds, and blocks. And that's very impressive. And then Ben Simmons is also having a pretty good year. He's averaging 16, 8, and 8. And he's averaging almost two steals and a block. So he's having a great season. And then Toby, Tobias Harris, he's one, also he's a player that I really enjoy uh, playing with on 2K especially. But he has he's averaging 20.6 points. Uh, eight rebounds, 3.4 assists, and almost a steal and a block a game. So those are like the big three, I guess, for the Sixers, and I think it works for them. I think them or the Nets will make the championship, and the Nets surprised me. They're doing really well 
but at the same time, they're not doing as well as I hoped. They, you know, on paper, they should never lose a game. And because this team is, it has the same makings as the Warriors whenever KD played for them. And it looks on paper like one of the best teams ever. And a lot of problems have been with Kyrie and, you know, James Harden, KD. They're all, you know, playing and they're all doing great numbers. Like, KD's averaging almost 30, Kyrie's averaging 28, and James Harden's averaging 29. So you, you can't get much better than that, honestly. I feel like if the Nets can fully get the team chemistry on lock and they all can mesh well together I think they have a very good shot of going to a championship but I think if it's against the Lakers I don't think they'll win I think you know LeBron will come and he'll win and get another ring but if they go against the Jazz I think they could win because they have more experience in the finals with Kyrie and KD and then um, the other teams, uh, Milwaukee, I think they are in the same situation they have been for the past two years. I don't think they can go to a championship without somebody helping Giannis and on a consistent basis. And looking at like their team and the stats, Giannis leads in points, rebounds, and assists. Chris Middleton averages 20. And... The next person is Drew Holiday with 16. So they need more help, and they've needed more help. And for the past couple of years, they haven't gotten him more help. They've just kept the same thing. And when you keep something that doesn't work, that's the definition of insanity. So maybe somebody should talk to the GM and the owner and try to get them to change it up a little bit. And the next, the four, five, six, seven, and eight seed are the Pacers, Raptors, Celtics, Knicks, and Bulls. The it's crazy that three of the eight teams have a losing record and they're in the playoffs, and everyone in the West has a winning record by at least two games. So it's interesting to see how different the East and West play style is but my call right now for the champions are the Los Angeles Lakers and I think that's probably most people's choice now it's almost that time of the year again for March Madness I'm so happy that they decided to actually play March Madness this year last year it was tragically canceled March Madness is one of the greatest months of the year not even March, other than the fact that it's my sister's, my mom's, and my grandpa's birthday. But it is also the month of the greatest sporting event of all time because it is nonstop and it lasts longer than anything else. So looking at it, the one seeds right now are Gonzaga, Baylor, Ohio State, Michigan. And those four teams are very good. Gonzaga is, again, one of the best teams, and they look like one of the best teams. Baylor, 
looks like they are the best team, and I truly think they are. They are beating teams every which way, and honestly, they're beating teams however they want, too. So, I think they are better than Gonzaga, but Gonzaga is always ranked high, and I think, you know, you have to say, everybody says this every year, but their strength of schedule is very weak, and I don't know, I, I don't know how hard we should hold that against them because a lot of the teams that they are beating they are winning by tons of points and I think they are a really really good team but I do feel like Baylor should be number one I'm not mad that they're not number one like they beat Kansas and they beat West Virginia. They were supposed to play Baylor, and it got canceled, sadly. But they have beat some ranked teams. They they beat Kansas, West Virginia, Iowa, which was number three at the time, and they're number nine now. They've lost six games. So, But they beat Iowa, and they beat Virginia. So they've beat... They beat five ranked teams. And those are the their notable wins. And then when you look at Baylor, they are also undefeated. I think they're twenty and oh, eighteen and oh. They've had the Big Twelve has had a lot of cancellations. But they've beat Illinois, number five at the time. They beat Texas Tech, Kansas. Texas, and they are playing West Virginia, Kansas, and West Virginia in the and Texas Tech in the next two weeks. So, if they win out, they will have played six, seven, eight, nine, nine of their twenty-four games have been against ranked teams and all of them but Texas Tech have been in the top 10 and they've won every game so I do think Baylor is a better team but I'm not mad about the uh, Gonzaga at number one I do think Gonzaga will get upset but um, Ohio State and Michigan I don't really know much about them I don't pay attention enough uh, to college basketball to know much about them. But I do know that Michigan is 16-1. and one, And they don't really have any crazy wins. They're wild. The wild win was against Wisconsin when they beat them by 23. And then they just beat uh, Ohio State two days ago, which, you know, looking at the bracketology, that's a pretty big deal, especially since Ohio State is still the number one seed projected for the Region 4. And Ohio State, they, uh, they're they 18-5, and five, 
and they their notable wins are Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa. But their notable losses are they lost to Minnesota, Purdue, and Michigan. Those are they lost to Purdue twice. So Purdue must have just had their number, I guess. So I don't know I don't know, I can't really put an opinion on them, but they don't look like a bad, you know, number one seeds. One interesting thing that I have noticed that is not on this list is a team that people like to call one of the best basketball schools ever, and that will be the Kentucky Wildcats. They are not on this list, which is very depressing. That's not very good looking for them. And I think that says a lot about John Calipari. I think there's a lot of people don't agree with this, but I like to say it because it especially stirs up people here in Kentucky. John Calipari is a great coach. I mean, he's a great recruiter. You can't argue that. He's one of the best recruiters of all time. They have a top five class almost every year. And my only problem with him is he's only won one national championship while he's been here. And I don't know why people are so okay with it. I get that they really like him and he's a great guy. But I feel like that's not a good thing to do. I don't feel like you can't be happy. I know I know nobody is happy with this season. But if you're going to claim to be as good of a basketball school as you are, then I feel like you shouldn't be happy with not making it to the Final Four every single year. I feel like not making the tournament twice in your career is, like, I will give him the benefit of the doubt of the last time they didn't make the tournament was whenever Nerlens Noel. That was probably their weakest uh, recruitment class, and then their best player, their star player, did get hurt in the middle of the season. So, you can't really blame him for that. That's not really his fault. And this year, you know, you can pull the COVID card, but other teams are flourishing and doing amazing things, and I feel like, you know, you could too. So their notable wins are Tennessee. <laughs> That's it. They beat Tennessee pretty good, actually, and they, you know, they actually played good that game. Surprisingly, they won by 15, and they look like a actually good Kentucky team. They lost to Kansas, North Carolina, Louisville, and Alabama twice, Missouri, and they lost to Tennessee earlier in the month, and Arkansas. So basically all the games that would look good on the resume to make the tournament, they lost. And it is very sad because, you know, 
even though I'm not a big Kentucky fan, you do always root for your, you know, state school. Like, you got to uh, root for your state school. So, it is disheartening that Kentucky isn't in the playoff, I mean, tournament. But one good thing is Western Kentucky picked up where they left off and they are in the uh, tournament. And I go to Western, so, of course, I'm very happy about this. They actually, like, they're a good team. They have one pretty notable win. They beat Alabama, and then they lost to Louisville, and they lost to West Virginia. They could have beat West Virginia. They got hammered by Louisville. But Alabama was a big win. Because when you look at Alabama, they've beat some really good teams. They beat Tennessee when they're seven in the nation. They and they've beat uh, Florida, Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas. They've ran through the SEC basically. They're sixth in the uh, sixth in the nation right now. And they are first in the SEC, and I want to say they are projected a four seed, maybe. Maybe I'm mistaken. I think that's what they were. I think they were a four seed. Well, crap. I lost it. No, they are a two seed. Yeah, that makes sense. They are six in the nation. But... Um, another team that's in there that makes me really happy is Texas. They just won today. They beat Kansas in overtime. That makes me even more happy because Kansas is the Oklahoma basketball. You can't like Texas and Kansas basketball. This is the first time we've sweeped them in a while. I don't know the exact statistic, but I know – just like Oklahoma, we can beat them once sometimes, but we never beat them twice. We did beat them twice. Uh, the, our notable wins are North Carolina. We lost to Villanova by four, but we should have won that game. We beat Kansas when they were ranked number three. West Virginia, we lost to Texas Tech, lost to Oklahoma, lost to Baylor. That's when we had the little COVID thing and – it was not pretty. We went on a, we went one and four in a five-game span, but now we're coming back. You know, we did lose to West Virginia and then turned it around three days later, beat Kansas. Can't argue with that. Right now in the bracketology, I think they have us going against, you know, UCSB, which is University of California Santa Barbara. So. But we are in the bracket with Gonzaga and Iowa, so I don't. I'm not very confident in making it super far, because all we have to do is win two games, go to the Sweet 16, and we have to play Gonzaga. So that'll be interesting. And another point I want to bring up: when if you get offended by somebody saying "we" or "us" when they're talking about a sports team, just shut up. That's a stupid argument. If you cheer on a team in every sport and you spend hours watching them a year, then you can you are a part of the team. 
You don't do the super hard work, but you do the frustrating work. You have to sit there and watch your team lose in four overtimes to a team that is not as good as you are. I still have flashbacks to the Red River rivalry, and uh, I'm very mad about that. And that game especially gave me the right to say we and us when I talk about Texas. So other than that, I don't really want to talk too much about this because, you know, there still are a couple of games left. A lot of people could lose, and it could change up the whole bracketology. So I'm not going to look at, like, my predictions for the whole thing. Whenever the actual bracket comes out, I'll do a whole rundown, and I'll share my picks of my bracket. But for right now, I'm just going to leave it at that. Now moving away from sports, we're going to look at something that I thought would be fun, and I ranked all the MCU movies from my least favorite to favorite, and all these movies, like even the my like least favorite movies, they're not really bad movies, it's just when you compare them to the great movies that Marvel has produced in the past uh, 11, tw- 12 years. Yeah, 12 years. They started in 2008. So in the past 12 years, there's been a lot of movies that are amazing. So some of these weaker movies, if you put them in DC, in the DCU, they'd be some of the best movies in the DC universe. So with that said, I'm going to start with my least favorite, and that is Hulk. A lot of people probably forget that Hulk is even part of the MCU because it doesn't have the it doesn't even have the main actor it doesn't it it stars Edward Norton instead of Mark Ruffalo and I really wish they would have added to this and made two more Hulk movies with Mark Ruffalo by uh, as the main character instead of Edward Norton and this movie it wasn't like terrible because it gave us like the abomination and it was a pretty good movie it's just it's very forgettable and I think it has to go on the bottom since it is a different actor than you know the the new actor is better than Edward Norton and it really doesn't apply to the MCU they didn't really tie in the Hulk as well as the other movies moving on from that is Thor the Dark World and this was the only Marvel movie that I fell asleep in the movie theater watching it was very boring and it didn't really go anywhere and the main villain was kind of weak and I thought was kind of stupid and it was by far the worst of the Thor movies (laughs) with that said my number 21 is Thor and just because like Natalie Portman first off is very beautiful she is one of my favorite actresses but other than that there wasn't really anything too crazy about this movie and this is also it goes in with there wasn't really anything like super duper awesome about this movie um there was like seeing asgard and seeing loki and thor it was a cool movie but it just wasn't as 
it didn't stand out to me as much as the movies that are listed above them. And number 20 is Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I did like this movie. Like I said, a lot of people might think it's because I hated these movies and they might be some of your favorite Marvel movies. That's not the case. I like all these movies except probably Thor The Dark World. It might be actually one of my least favorite movies. Uh, it's probably one of my least favorite superhero movies that I've ever watched. So, but Ant-Man the Wasp it was good, but I just... There's not really much I can say about it, like, to describe it. It was good, but same with Ant-Man. It's not very high on my list. Is The villains aren't, you know, as good or fun as the other villains. The whole Ant-Man and the Wasp storyline is really banking on the quantum realm and Paul Rudd's humor, which does work, and that's why... Ant-Man is ranked higher than Ant-Man and the Wasp is just because mainly I think the Paul Rudd's commentary and dialogue in the first one was better than the second one and I really do like the whole villains like if there's a powerful villain and it's harder of a challenge it's going to be more fun to watch and you're going to be on the edge of your seat more and with Ant-Man and the Wasp I kept, like it was kind of more telling like what was going to happen. They talked about the wife a little in Ant-Man 1, but Ant-Man 2 that was one of the biggest things they talked about and they talked about the quantum realm and stuff. So you could definitely see that there was a theme in what was going to happen in the movie. Moving to number 19, Gardens of the Galaxy 2. Gardens of the Galaxy is one of my favorites. <laughs> But Gardens of the Galaxy 2, I just felt like, was a little bit of a drag, and it was just blah. Like, there wasn't, like, I didn't really like the villain in this, the dad, you know, uh, he was Kurt Russell, which is a great actor, he does a great job, and the acting isn't the problem, it's mainly just like, it was just bleh. Like, there wasn't anything super cool. There wasn't anything super bad about it. The cast is all... It's amazing. Like, Gardens of the Galaxy cast is one of my favorite casts of the movies, of the MCU. But, I just... When I go back, when I, like, rank these movies, I thought about how much enjoyment I had watching it. And the main thing is these bottom tier movies are movies that aren't really replayable for me. And I would, I probably, unless I had to, I would not just sit down and watch Gardens of the Galaxy, the volume two, for fun. I wouldn't like sit down and watch it all the way through. But the movies at the top of my list, I do and have watched multiple times just for the fun of it. So, moving to number 18, Iron Man 3. The Iron Man series, you know, it really started it all. And Iron Man 3 was... It was good, but the whole Mandarin, I didn't like the villain. The suits thing was kind of cool, but I don't really see the... Like, I don't know, I think they made a bigger deal out of it. They made it seem like he was, like, done and never coming back. Which, you know, 
if you didn't know about all the phases and stuff, that would have been, you know, more scary. But when you look at the bigger picture, it didn't really do anything, if you know what I mean. And so, number 17 is Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel, it was a good movie. But I just... In this movie, my biggest problem is I'm not a huge fan of Brie Larson. And I feel like they gave her too much power. And I know a lot of people think that too. Like, the MCU could have been summed up in two movies. And it could have been Captain Marvel, The Origins. And then Captain Marvel 2, Killing Thanos. Because nobody else could. And I feel like that wasn't really how it was supposed to go. I feel like she shouldn't have had as much power as she did. Because then, like, there was no point for any of the other people. Like, she, in in game, she flies in there and goes through a whole spaceship and just blows it up. Like, that's kind of pointless in my opinion. So, it was a good movie, but I just didn't really like the addition of the character in general. So, moving to number 16, Avengers Age of Ultron. This is my least favorite Avengers movie. And, again, it's not like a bad movie. It introduced... Uh, Quicksilver and Wanda Maximoff. Yeah, Wanda Maximoff. And Wanda turns out to be a pretty, you know, big character in the movie, in the MCU. But Age of Ultron, there was just something about it that I didn't really find, you know, very cool. Like, it didn't really have the ump that I cared about, especially in an Avengers movie. And I don't really have much else to say about it. It was a fun movie, but I probably won't watch it unless I want to sit there and go through the whole MCU through order again. So I probably, like, it just doesn't have that replay value of other movies for me. Number 15 is Ant-Man. Like I said before, it wasn't really a great movie, and it relies a lot on the comedy aspect. And I just feel like it came at the heat of Deadpool. It came right after Deadpool, I'm pretty sure, or right before. And everybody knew that like Deadpool was the R-rated, you know, he was a menace to society and it was going to be no hold bar, bars and it was just going to be a lot of comedy and action. So I feel like knowing that was coming out they tried to do that with Ant-Man and even though Ant-Man came out before Deadpool you could tell that they knew you know what was coming so they put Paul Rudd as Ant-Man and that was a great guy to hire he did a great job and he's doing a great job as Ant-Man but I feel like for a Avengers movie it relied too much on the comedy side so, it's just another one of those that, you know, if it had a better villain, it might have been a better movie, in my opinion. Number 14 is Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 is a great movie. They introduced the War Machine, and that's cool, and that, you know, plays a big part. Still does, all the way through the MCU, it was a big part of the movie, and it was a big 
character, and that was cool. I love Terrence Howard, so I was sad that he left, but Don Cheadle is a really good actor as well. But I just wish Terrence Howard and Robert RDJ could get along better in the first movie. This movie was good. I did like the villain in this, and it had more motivation behind, you know, there was a lot of motivation behind his actions and why he was doing what he was doing. So, I really like this movie. And this is, you know, the next 13 movies after this are movies that I liked a lot and that I think are very, you know, influential to the MCU. So, moving on to that, number 13 is Captain America the First Avenger. This movie was, you know, it had the Red Skull. It had a great, you know, story. It's like the classic, you know, rags of riches story, but with, you know, being a small nobody and getting to become the super soldier and saving lives and, you know, protecting America, basically. And I liked their villain with Red Skull and Hydra, and Hydra ended up playing a big part in all of MCU, and they were, you know, they stuck around for most of the movies, and good casting, and the ending is, you know, awesome and very touching. So, it's a movie that I don't rewatch often, but when I do, I do enjoy it. Moving to number 12 is Captain America Winter Soldier. Captain America Winter Soldier, you know, a lot of people really enjoy this movie, and it is a great movie, but I just feel like the other movies that are above them have, you know, more, it's more fun, and there's villains that are cool, and the storyline. This is, you know, they introduce Bucky as the Winter Soldier, and it plays... You know, Bucky plays a, a m amazing role in the MCU. Sebastian Stan does a great job. They're coming out with a new movie um, or show. I think a show with Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie as the Winter Soldier and the Falcon. And that's going to be amazing, and I can't wait for that. One thing I like about this movie is how the villain in the movie turns out to be a good guy and ends up helping them through the whole thing and I think that adds to you know the watchability of the movie and the importance of the movie moving to number 11 is Doctor Strange Benedict Cumberbatch is an amazing actor he's one of my favorite actors to watch and his movies are awesome and it's just like his personality is amazing too and he keeps that with most of his characters, and I really like that. Doctor Strange is pro is the trippiest video to watch, movie to watch. It's a lot of fun, and it gives you like, you know, the screenplay gives you like Inception vibes sometimes, and the buildings turning and time stopping and all this stuff. It's really cool. I'm excited for the second movie that's coming out next year, I think either at the end of this year or next year, that's going to be amazing. And in this, it really, you know, it shows the change of 
character and it adds a lot to MCU because without him, you know, a lot of things would have been different if they never added this movie. There wouldn't have been like the time stone link to the uh, gauntlet and then, you know, the whole sitting there and coming up with the probability and figuring out the future that wouldn't have happened without him so it's a great movie and I I really enjoy it so moving to the top 10 is Black Panther Black Panther has Chadwick Boseman in it great actor it's very sad that he died uh, very tragic and the fact that he had cancer when he filmed this movie shows even more like how much he cared about his craft and I find it very inspiring and awesome. This movie, a lot of people like the villain in this, Michael B. Jordan, a lot of people would be like, he's not a very you know, powerful villain. He himself isn't super powerful, but his motives are extremely powerful. And Killmonger is a great villain for these movies. And it add it adds a lot. And it's also, you know, it's a movie that talked a lot about present day. And I think it added to, you know, what happens whenever, you know, you're angry. And when you have all this built-up anger against one person, it can, you know, drive you to death and to fall. Um, but I think this movie, the scenery was great. The action was awesome. And the casting was amazing. It's one of the best casted movies in the MCU. Number nine is Spider-Man Far From Home. I love Tom Holland. He's not my favorite Spider-Man. It's This is a bold statement, but my favorite Spider-Man is Andrew Garfield. And I blame Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man demise on the writing and directing, not on the acting. Andrew Garfield is an amazing actor, and if you've not seen any of his other work... He was amazing in The Social Network, and he's been in some other indie films that are, you know, smaller, but they are, his acting is still just as good. But Tom Holland does an amazing job, and he is, like, the only one that is actually, you know, close to Spider-Man's age. I think Andrew Garfield was, like, 29 while in high school in the movie. But this story... You know, it's really cool. It's right after, you know, Avengers Endgame. And it talks a lot about Iron Man. And it talks a lot about, you know, a father figure. Because, of course, Peter Parker doesn't have a father figure. And Tony was his father figure. So it relates a lot back to that. The, you know, fun side of the movie was great. I love him and uh, his buddy Ned, and they, you know, they work well together. Zendaya is an amazing actor, and Jake Gyllenhaal did a great job as a villain. And I think this is, you know, he was a powerful villain because of perception, 
and he made people believe what he wanted to. And I think that ties into modern time a lot with media and stuff like that, getting people to believe lies and just believe what you want them to believe or see what you want them to see. So I think it's really relevant in this time, and I think it is a very good movie. Uh, number eight is Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is the best movie of the worst series. Thor, the Thor series has had, you know, I rank them two of the three worst movies in the MCU. But Thor Ragnarok is great. It's a, you know, a good villain. You know, the villain, she's the goddess of death. So it's a powerful villain, clearly. And there's a lot of fun, you know, the Hulk's in it, and I think this shows the, you know, lighter side of Chris Hemsworth and how good of an actor he is with, like, you know, Thor 1 and Thor The Dark World were very, you know, serious and serious movies that, you know, didn't really have a lot of comedy. But Thor Ragnarok had a lot of comedy with the guys that The Rock and the other one that were in the prison with him was amazing. And I think it was all because of uh, the director, Ty, Ty, I don't know how to say his name, Taika Waititi. But he's the one that directed What We Do in the Shadows and Jojo Rabbit. And both of those movies are amazingly, you know, like dark comedy humor that will just have you, depending on your sense of humor, will have you rolling in the floor. And I think that played a lot with Thor, and I think that worked with Chris Hemsworth amazingly. Moving to number seven, we have Spider-Man Homecoming. This is a great movie, and, you know, the villain, again, kind of, it's kind of like Killmonger, when you get pushed aside, and you get mistreated, and you get screwed over your anger, and you want revenge so much that it can lead to your downfall, and the comedy in this was pretty good and the acting was amazing Robert Downey Jr. did a great job in his few scenes and it added to the you know father figure moment that led up to Infinity War Endgame and Far From Home and I think without this movie nobody would have got that connection as well as they did and they did a great job showing that this is also one of my favorite movies to rewatch, just because it's fun, lighthearted, and it's really just a great story. Number six is Guardians of the Galaxy, and like I said earlier, this is one of my favorite movies, and I probably, other than Endgame and Infinity War, I probably watched, I've probably watched this movie the most, and it is amazing movie a great plot great story and you know it's a band of mischiefs it's like the suicide squad for marvel and great casting bradley cooper vin diesel batista 
Zoe Zaldana, and Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is an amazing actor. He was in Parks and Recreation, which is one of my favorite TV shows. And he does a great job in this. And they're, I feel like the thing that helps them is their team chemistry is so amazing. And it makes the movie so much better to watch because you can tell that they really are, like, that close. Like, you can tell that they really do enjoy being together, and it shows in the movie. So, moving to number five is the OG Avengers. And, of course, it had to be top five. You know, it sealed the deal, really, for the MCU. You know, it wasn't confirmed that the MCU was going to be as big as it was. And then Avengers came out, and it took the world by storm. And it did great. They did an amazing job of tying everything in and, you know, planning so well. And I think that's the big thing that holds DC and Marvel, you know, to get the biggest difference between the two is that the planning is so much better with Marvel than DC. Like, they had, they planned for movies that are coming out in, that came out in 2019 back in 2012 and they did almost everything perfect they did an amazing job and this is with you know this is where Hawkeye comes and Jeremy Renner does a great job this is an amazing cast the you know Loki and the fight scenes in downtown New York are amazing and even like this movie has some good fun in it, and I know I keep saying that a lot, but I do like seeing, like, even in action-packed movies, a little light-hearted comedy. I think that's good for everyone. Moving to number four is Captain America Civil War. This is basically an Avengers movie, and, you know, it's about division and anger, anger, and I think it is a very good movie. It's literally is an Avengers movie, <laughs> and you know that's when they added. That's when we first saw Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, and that's when we saw uh, Tom Holland as Spider Man, and it was also the first movie of Phase Three, which started you know all the Endgame Infinity War, and all that stuff. So it was a great movie and it was it's a fun movie to watch and it's great to see, you know, the outcome it all work out in the end and, you know, division and it really is a civil war and I really like that aspect of it. So number three is Iron Man. It literally is the movie that started it all and it, you know, revamped RDJ's career and turned him into one of the most well-known actors in the world. Rightfully so. He is an amazing guy. And if you don't watch his other movies, they are amazing as well. And this movie is, you know, it's like one of the most perfect startup movies. Like, there's, you know, a lot of action. They lead you right into it. The beginning where you know he's a cocky arrogant guy which he never changes that does not change 
but then, you know, he turns into this helpful, you know, superhero, basically. And it's a great story. And after this movie is when people really started to notice that, you know, maybe Marvel's doing something big here. Number two is Avengers Endgame. It is, you know, amazing movie. And it ends the whole Thanos um, series and everybody is there working as a team together. There's a lot of, you know, there's sad moments, you know, with uh, Iron Man, Scar uh, Black Widow. You know, there's sad moments in the movie, Captain America. And then there's, you know, heartwarming parts where, you know, everybody comes back when they defeat Thanos. And I don't know if anybody was in the movie theater whenever the movie came out. And I don't know if your movie theater did this, but I remember watching this. And when Iron Man snaps and takes out Thanos and his whole army, my theater lost their mind. It was like RDJ was, you know, watching the movie with us. It was crazy and... It was probably the most electrifying movie that I've ever been to, you know, on a midnight premiere. And, of course, that only leaves one movie, and it is Avengers Infinity War. This movie had amazing action, and it was a great setup because, you know, it technically, it's a part one of Endgame. You know, Infinity War and Endgame are combined, basically. You know, part one and part two. So, a lot of, like, part ones, like, just off the top of my head, like, Deathly, Hall uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1 is kind of like, it's a kind of a drag and, you know, not super good. And then you got Mocking, Mockingjay, I think, Hunger Games Part 1 was a little, ugh. But Infinity War was amazing, and it was a great movie. And it's my favorite movie. I've, me and uh, I can probably quote this movie the first 20 minutes, just sitting there watching this movie. Thanos just comes and absolutely wrecks everything, and it's all about you know. Again, this is like this and Endgame are the definition of teamwork movies, and it really you know puts everything together and. It does an amazing job at what it's supposed to accomplish. You know, it's the setup for Endgame. And this also had its, you know, sad moments with the death of Vision. And whenever everybody got snapped. And it was, you know, just crazy. It was wild. And I, if it was up to me, I could watch this movie every day of the week. That's all we have for this episode of Pull Up In Here. Thank you all for listening, and like always, if you have any suggestions, just let me know in my DMs. Thank you for listening, guys. Peace.